Recording straight out of Five Scotland, you're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sutherland and Magic Mike Christie. Hey. Welcome to episode 192. We are in, I guess, 1996 with our 90s season. Final four. We'll be doing our double bill reviews of The Frighteners and Birdcage. Yep. Prior to the reviews, we are going to warm up with some uh, post San Diego Comic Con discussion. Uh, We could gloss over the trailers pretty quick. I mean,. It was a really, like, DC-centric mm. year. Obviously, we were aware that Marvel took a back seat this yeah. year because everything they need to promote is now out. So, yeah. DC kind of got the chance to kind of show off everything they've got coming up. Uh, I was kind of waiting for someone to be like, like release something, but maybe like the last day is like, a, hey, we're still here sort of thing. But now it was Aye, mostly right. all DC, yeah. Definitely. I mean, the biggest surprise that the trailer for me was uh, Shazam. Aye, I, I've, I've never like, read up on it before yeah. watching the trailer. And I watched the trailer on Sunday morning, the bus going to work. And it looks, it looks quite, quite, Aye, quite so humorful. I feel like it, it, you could describe it as like a crossover between Hancock and Big. Yeah, I could you switch? Aye, yeah. Because he has a kid, but then when he, when he says Shazam, it turns into yeah. this big fucking hulking superhero who's a bit of an adult, well, obviously an adolescent, because it's a kid yeah. in a superhero's body. And I noticed I had the, the kid from It in it. Like the, the other homeless kid with a crutch. Not homeless kid, the orphan with a crutch. He's the, the one that takes all the, the, ta- all the pills. That has a broken arm in the the it remake, Richie. Oh, so I can't mind of. Nah, it's no. Aye. he's the one that had like the overprotective mother, and he was scared all, and she's got all the tablets for him to take. Ah, uh, yeah. Aye, I noticed he was like the the sidekick. Ah, uh, right, brother. But um, obviously the the interesting thing I reckon how it's gonna happen because obviously the film's cried Shazam, but the character is called Captain Marvel. And of course, Marvel have yeah. their own Captain Marvel. So I think this is one of those cases where they've just had to cry it. Shazam. Yeah. In a sense, well, that was what Captain Marvel had to do to get his powers. He just had to say that. So, yeah. Do you think uh, we'll see any like, Shazam name dropping in the Captain Marvel film this year? I wouldn't imagine them, them doing that, but I'm just wondering if they'll actually cry the the superhero Captain Marvel yeah. in Shazam, or like how if that's but remember when you had like uh, the difference between X Men and Avengers, like Nibd in Avengers is ever credited mutant, like, yeah. mutants fucking the X Men word, um, but when they had to describe what was it, uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, they cried them something else. It was like a, a term they used because mutant was the word, yeah. But, they could not use that word. So I feel it must be something similar. Like, is DC going to be fucking cock-blocked to not allowed to use the word Captain Marvel? Yeah. Fucking who knows. But I like the... I like the look of the trailer. I mean, yeah. it, it... We were right in saying when we talked about our preview of it last week, 
and he says it looks like I had a comical take to it where like there's pictures of him chewing bubble gum and carrying beer. Yeah. And right enough, he's fighting crime, like the, the fucking shop getting robbed. Yeah. And like the dude shoot him, and the bullets bounce off, and they're so fucking giddy. He's like, I'm bulletproof. Yeah. And then just fucking decks the robbers, and then just leaves with like a crate of beer. Yeah. So <laughs> he sees like the last he's like, hey, I'm a superhero. So I, I, I can imagine. It surely it must. I'll have to be a twelve. Eh? No one yeah, people see it. They wouldn't. Twelve minimum at least. They wouldn't cry at a fifteen. That would be a bit. It risky. would probably be an outrage for like families. Yes, aye, because Deadpool's an exception. Because of the, like the crude humor and it's such a giant fucking character, folk will still see it as a fifteen. Yeah. Just folk under the age of fifteen will just be finding ways to see it. Yeah. Whereas Shazam, a character that folks not really aware of, being a 15, folk will probably not give a fuck about it. Yeah. So, I'd, I'd have to be a 12. And then, I guess, the one that I, I feel has like the most potential is this new Godzilla. Ah, uh, how is him? It didn't show you too much. No. It was a lot like the first one. There's a lot going on behind, behind like smoke and clouds. And, like, obviously, it was all coming out of rubble and stuff and yeah like, and it's like they're um, like the story they're using it it's like I'm trying to think I'm trying to remember what the woman says on the screen that's today we like your resistance and like whether they're like released or no I can't remember how it went in the trailer no but it looked alright yeah it was like definitely like one of those things that kind of showed potential because like this has happened if we've got this one it's like Mothra uh, it's, it's probably going to be like one of those fucking films that's going to blow Cameron's mind yeah there was like that stage where he went through and he was just rattling off all the names the like Godzilla creatures and like Christ what does this Ben watch on YouTube yeah but like even they had like the obscure ones like was it King Ghadira the, the three headed demons like you seen that one at the end mm. the three heads and they released another Comic Con poster and it was like it's all cloudy as per usual you've got Godzilla and then it's like King Ghadira wrapped around it and all the three heads. And I think there was maybe another monster in the background. It may as well just be cried like Godzilla, Battle Royal. Yeah. Because that's what it looks like. Like, Earth's just the fucking playground. And they're just going to have a big fucking fight. Yeah, and I mean, that was the actual, the, the first one of this. Well, this is a sequel to the one with Brian Cranston. Yes. But, I mean, the first one was, was alright. Mm. I mean... It was miles better than the fucking nineteen ninety eight one. Aye, but I reckon like, I just I'll probably go and see it, but I'm just no like, entirely like enthralled in like Godzilla. Aye, this is no like the the Dark Knight following up to like Batman Begins. Yeah, like is you're not that excited for it. No, aye. I mean I noticed the like, I mean some of the cast. I noticed the last it played Eleven and Stranger Things. She's yes. the, aye, Millie Bobby Brown or yeah. something. So and she's. It was that Kyle Chandler. Aye. Um, uh, Ken Wanatawi. Yeah. Was in there. Zhang Zi was in there. Yeah. Um, it did, actually, I had a lot of names. It was uh, Thomas Middleditch for Silicon Valley was in there. And aye, it just looks like a big ensemble cast. Mm. So it, it doesn't re- rely on fucking Quicksilver and Breaking Bad. Yeah. And so. I mean, like, it was interesting, like, with the, 
how the from the trailer were playing like the the classical music. Aye, yeah, that looked pretty good. So that one, I'm I'm probably looking forward to the most, but it, it will it could be one that I might avoid more trailers of. Yeah, because so, you feel that you've seen enough to go and aye, see like it. they've teased me enough. They've showed like who all the players are and said, right, that's cool. No, the big kind of teaser that led to this was the fact that they had that clip at the end of Kong Skull Island. I still not seen Skull Island. Eh? Aye, and that was like after the credits. It was like the people were being interrogated. Uh, Tom Hiddleston and the Lee uh, Brie Larson, mm. the one that plays Captain. Well, it's going to play uh, Captain yeah, Marvel. Yeah, them in an interrogation room saying, "Right." Tell us about the fucking monkey. Tell us. And then somebody bursts in the room saying, Captain, I think there's more. And they throw it in like a file and it's like King Ghadirah, Mofra, Godzilla. And is it and it just leaves you there. I could always remember like in the like early sixties and that you got the horrible Japanese like King Kong versus the Godzilla film. Aye, aye. So and I think I let people correct me if I'm wrong, but Kong was set in like a 60s, 70s, where it was like, it was either something like the fall of Vietnam or things like that. And they went and found Kong then. Godzilla was, I'm certain, was set in present day, like the Brian Cranston one. So if fucking Kong's gonna show up, that's gonna be one old monkey. I guarantee it's a plot twist. I guarantee it's no fucking Kong. It's fucking Dwayne Johnson and his big massive white monkey. No, oh. <laughs> rampage. <laughs> he's just he's just got like a wee saddle on the back of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the sa- on the back of the saddle, just shout Jumanji. <laughs> um, Him and Kevin Hart on his shoulders on the wee saddle. Yeah. Um, also, all the trailers that I seen, I'm um, I was quite in favour of uh, Glass. Yes, but, that. Uh, Looked really good, and I mean, I've I've not seen Unbreakable in years, and I feel mm-hmm. that I will have to watch that and Split again to get kind of caught up. Aye, and they've done it well. It doesn't look like as if there's been God. It feels like there's been like at least fifteen years between yeah. Unbreakable and Split. Yeah. So for and obviously that the biggest surprise out of Split was the fact that they. They attached to on to Unbreakable. Yeah. So, for to like suddenly revive a fucking <clears throat> a genre or like a spin-off film to do this now, yeah. it's like you'd think that'd be fucking mental. But the trailer they deliver is like such a good trailer with that chick that's in all of the American Horror Stories. Yeah. Like the woman um, that was interviewing Sarah the Paulson. three. Yes. Her interviewing the three of them set up brilliantly how and just how she kind of said it's like i'm here to kind of try and talk to people who think they're superheroes and it's almost that things like how we're kind of overwhelmed with the amount of superhero films we get now it's it's funny to see where i'm going to be surprised that if there is a fucking doctor that's trained and to try and calm down cunts we all think they have superpowers because that's all you fucking see now is superhero franchises yeah and i mean it's it's a completely different like take on a superhero, on a superhero film. Yes, and in the the fucking like the powers that each attribute the fact that Bruce Willis is her. Yeah, he's basically your like he's indestructible. Then you've got fucking uh, James McAvoy's. Ah, he looks honestly like he looks 
so fucking good in this film. Aye, and and those scenes where like he 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 hulks out. Aye, like it just looks so unsettling. Like mm-hmm. he does literally hulk out. Like the arches of his neck yeah. and. Because I still I still remember the final act split where they were in the underground and like main bit goes and the beast mode. Yeah, and it was absolutely brilliant. Aye. And then you've got fucking Mr. Glass. It was Mr. Glass, the crowd, yeah. didn't it? Aye. So, aye, that's another one. I can't remember his first name, though. Really, his actual name was it. Oh. Ah, oh, fuck, I couldn't aye. tell you. But, aye, that's another one that like, kind of showed a lot of promise. Yeah. So, it's fucking, I guess, good for fucking M. Night. Yeah. To fucking turn things around all of a sudden. I know. Cause I mean, I... I, I I never seen Magic uh, Magic Airbender, the last Airbender. Nah, the last Airbender. Nah, because everybody hated it because it was like it was basically whitewashed. Aye, definitely. I mean, I I think I just ignored it just because I knew it was like a live action uh, Nickelodeon cartoon. Yeah. So I thought it was it was I wouldn't have missed anything yeah. by not seeing it. So. And the one they done with Marky Mark, uh, the Happening. Oh yes. It was just fucking. I mm. we just kind of considered that the nail in the coffin. Yeah. And I thought that's it. Lady in the water was questionable. This has nailed that. it. This is nah. I think it was the biggest offended moment. Uh, Lady in the water was that they needed a writer to save the day, and it was M Night Shyamalan. Was that a writer that saved the day for them? Oh no! It's like I've made Talk myself about going the hero. Business for yourself, eh? <laughs> Mental. Yeah, I see that we did get. Um, some of the fans did get some, like a wee like, two minute scene for the new Halloween, they got an extended trailer. Oh, aye. Um, I did read, when well, I didn't read that, I watched um, IGN's interview with David Gordon Green mm-hmm. and Jimmy Curtis at yeah. Comic Con and talked about how, um, they were talking about how, like, well, Jimmy Curtis talked about how when she was filming the first Halloween, she got like, the phone call the next day for John Carpenter. Yeah, and like she automatically was assuming that she was going to be fired because that was like that was the kind of thing back in the days. Aye, like you film one day, the next day you get a phone call, you're out. Aye, and can you say that it's like I, like, I thought you were brilliant. He done the exact same this this year. Phoned her after like the day of filming. Aye, and that yeah, and nice. Basically, like they have confirmed that uh, there is a new score. Yeah, hopefully we fucking hear it. Oh, because that's it, I'll be getting teased. There's already part of me that went on Amazon and looked for the vinyl. Uh, hopefully, we, hopefully we get out of the Barrowlands. I know. I mean, I did see Kevin Smith interview Jamie Lee Curtis on, on what they cry, the IMD boat. Alright. And he was talking about, uh, I can't remember, but she seemed like awfully, awfully, like, he, I was like, Kevin Smith's loud, and he was saying, like, you're a scream queen, this, that, the original... The fucking the girl from the movies, blah blah blah, and she's was so like really positive on Kevin Smith, and, and it, was, it was something like he's always wanted to work with her, and she says, "Well, you've never hired me," and he's like, "Right, okay," and he was like, in a sense, like, "I think I'm gonna have to hire you," because she just seemed like you've never given me the chance, and it's like, "Why yeah. have we never worked together?" And he was talking like on a later show, like Hollywood Babylon or something, and he's like. I reckon why I never said it there and then, but fucking Jay and Silent Bob get like rebooted. It's like yeah. I could easily find a role for her in that. So it'll be funny to see if she actually accepts an offer from him. Yeah. So but, probably shows up as either Jay or Silent Bob's mum. 
Because <laughs> there was a... It was just the fact that he was talking to her and he was talking about like being pursued by the shape and she's like, oh, you are a fan. You can what like what they fucking cry them in the film rather than Michael Myers. Like crying them in the shape seemed to be like cut deep for her. And she's like, you are a fan of this. And seemed really invested in what he had to say. So yeah. it was interesting. But I've never seen, well, I don't they showed any of the footage on the internet. No, nah, no. Nah, which is for the people in Hall nah. H. Um, I did see a really horrible um, interview at Comic Con and a guy... Like the guy was interviewing her about the films and and basically described like the killer in the film as like Jason Voorhees, put like, the hockey mask on and everything. Aye, and aye. it's like you've got the wrong fucking film here, man. Right, you're either there to troll, or boy, you didn't do your research. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I don't think there was anything else outside it out coming from Comic Con because obviously nah, I think we're all you got your typical. Walking Dead season nine. You got Marvel shows, DC shows. Yeah. Uh, there was like a trailer for Fantastic Beasts, and there was just yeah. a lot more Johnny Depp in it. But I've I've not got any interest in that franchise at the moment. Yeah. So I never really. I watched the trailer and I was like, eh, looks like a like a Harry Potter style film. So, yeah. But fuck. Um. Will we get on about the films? Ah yeah, let's go. Okay, so I'm going first for our 1996 double belt today. Wait, 1995? 96. 96, okay. I'll just edit it, my, my correction mistake. So we have The Frighteners from director Peter Jackson. This was written by Peter Jackson and his wife, who I have neglected to mention on this. Uh, I think it was like Morag Welsh. Alright. Uh, so it was co-written. Film stars Michael J. Fox as Frank Bannister. Uh, Trini Alvarado as uh, Dr. Lucy Linsky, uh, Peter Dobson as Ray Linsky, John Austin as the judge, Jerry Combs as uh, Milton Dammers, Dee Wallace as Patricia Ann Bradley, Jake Busey as Johnny Bartlett, Chi McBride as Cyrus, Jim Fife, we say no, I served a junkie today called James Fife. Alright. <laughs> I just want to see the name, it was like, you're looking a bit pale, pal. Uh, Jim Fife as Stuart. Uh, Troy Evans as Sheriff Walter Perry. Juliana McCarthy as Old Lady Bradley. R. Lee Emery as Sergeant Hiles. Elizabeth yes. Hawthorne as Magda Reese jones And Angela Bloomfield as Deborah Bannister. Now, this film is all about... Let's see, where's our plot? Okay. After a tragic car accident kills his wife, a man discovers he can communicate with the dead to con people. However, when a demonic spirit appears, he may be the only one who can stop it from killing the living and the dead. So, aye. The Frighteners, no. Was this our first time? No. Now, I have seen this maybe once or twice before. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I always thought it was like one of these films that you introduced me to. So when you told me you had yeah, never, I'd never, I'd never, seen, never it. seen I'd it. never seen it until the day. Aye. So I was like, okay, right. And I think possibly it might have been a, like a, a late night watch on BBC Two. Uh, like sort of, I, I think I must have, it was like one of those things I had fuck around the house and nobody left and you had kind of just slumped down and just turned the telly on. And I just mind the scenes of uh, 
Cyrus and Stuart falling out of the trunk of the parked car. Like, at the end of the first scene. And they're climbing out of the car and one of them's got motion sickness. And it's like, I oh, hate yeah. riding this fucking trunk. And all that. I always mind that scene, like, clear as day in my head. Just sitting watching that in the house. And I'll, it's one of these films where it's got a really unique plot. Like, it's yeah. something that you didn't see in it every day. Yeah. Or you didn't see it as sort of like a, a dark comedy, anyway. You could see it as like a horror, but this one is kind of played for laughs at yeah. times. So, um, in a nutshell, it's a good film. It's don't think it is. It's brilliant. It's definitely unique. But there's, I think it's becoming a little dated now. Like obviously, our computer effects, the digital effects at that time probably would have looked pretty good. But now it's like you're watching Casper, the the friendly ghost at times. Yeah, when they're going through the walls and stuff. Aye, aye. It's, it, that's it. It could have been well. It's that's fucking over twenty years old. So yeah. it's definitely got to be dated. But it's just when you're watching it now, going, oh, you can tell how far technology's advanced in comparison. Yeah. But I do. I actually do like this wee film. It's 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 good to see Michael J. Fox doing something. That's no Martin McFly. Exactly. I just see something so fucking different, and it probably might have been a good like a reason for him to do a project like this. Yeah. Like, so he's no doing this or this, uh, sure, it's a sci-fi horror, but it's fucking different. It's no time travel, he's no teamed up with fucking uh, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. So, also, the main character, as we said, Michael J. Fox, uh, is, is Bannister. Yeah. Now, he is also a con man, and I like the way they do it, obviously, he could see the yeah, talk to the ghost. And he's also worked out this deal to let's scare the shit out of people. I'll show up as the exorcist. Get money. Exactly. Fucking ring them out for like hundreds of pounds. Like when he shows up at that Dr. Linsky's house and he's like, man, okay, it's usually £250, but it's time and a third because it's a midnight call. You need a hundred for supplies. And the fucking dude, like this douchebag, like yeah, boyfriends. Obviously, they had that part of the story prior where he just drove his car by accident through his garden. Yeah. Destroyed the garden. No, was wiped out the white picket fence. <laughs> and he just cries at a deal and said, okay, let's forget about the garden and just say 100 quid for his supplies. And it's just, like, he's going in and he's doing all this stuff. He's got his wee water pistol filled with holy water. And says, was the toilet seat going up and down? He's like, nope. Uh, what about the dining table? Was it going anti-clockwise? Nope. And you just see the look on his face. I think you can see it now in hindsight, watching it again. You can tell him going, they're not doing their fucking job. And he's like, what about the bed? He's like, oh yeah, that was spinning around. He's like, ah, oh, okay, definitely. I know what it is now. You've got a bad case of this. But it's when he's chewing them afterwards saying, could you at least fucking slap a toilet seat up and down? And they're sitting moaning about putting their back out and lifting the bed up. Yeah. But you get that great show where like, they're all just throwing plates around. Aye. There's... The, the boyfriend was saying some shit about the guy said, oh no, he's a fucking cod man and he gets hit with like a plate or something. Aye. So, he does quite good. Like, obviously, he's got like this tragic past yeah. which they allude to and it's, it's weird to think the fact that she always wanted a big garden and he just puts a basketball court in, instead. So, it just seems like, okay, that doesn't seem like the biggest thing for him to fall out over but the, the tragic thing was is the fact that the demon kills her. Yeah. It's... Because I think... 
in hindsight, I always thought it was the Johnny Bartlett oh. character that murdered her. Yeah, that was not it. It was the demon. Like, just this, well, I guess him as a demon killing her. Yeah. So. I quite liked um, Judge, the old gunslinger type. Yes, I, yeah, I forgot about <clears throat> him. That him and like the old, old, old bloodhounds. Yeah, yeah, when you first seen it, it was like the, the ghost of the dog was chasing the teeth and all that. I fucking pissed about his jawbone. Yeah. I I was I was surprised there wasn't a, a more recognisable face playing him, but saying that Peter Jackson probably wasn't well this was all prior to Lord of the Rings and Hobbits, so yeah. he was still just this wee New Zealand director. It was a good character and like the scene in the museum where he gets to show up and have like uh, a bit of a shootout with a demon was pretty rewarding for him. Yeah, but it was always teased all like throughout it, saying that he, he's getting on now. Yeah, they all talked about living off of like a it was like an ectoplasm. Aye, aye, ectoplasm. He was saying that like his ones like beginning to like dry up and stuff. Aye, so I guess that's more or less your time's up as a ghost. Yeah, and you just fucking vanish. But the I do like the fucking uh, the black dude with the Afro Cyrus. Aye, Chima Bride. Yes. Yeah, a lot of the films that he's in, he's pretty funny, like. Aye. I think this is probably one of, I think this is one of like, his earlier films but well, I've seen him in so he kind of looked a bit younger mm. but because uh, he was a, a, a gangster for the 70s or something eh? aye that's it like full full afro and he had the suit fucking puffing on a big cigar <laughs> and it was weird that the fucking character Stuart just looked like this poindexter yeah like stereotypical geek character but whenever the figure I forgot was like how like when the ghosts get hurt, like he seemed to suffer a lot when like was getting his cheek ripped apart and I think that's at times where like the, the CGI looked a bit ropeous like when there was like yeah. he was blowing his nose and all this yellow mucus was coming out or when his face was getting torn and all the bubbling bloods yeah like effects like that obviously I don't want to say they're bad but it's just just they're old now yeah I, uh, for. For the for the time we're in the now compared to when it first came out. Exactly, because in previous what like previous visits to this film, I was never really bothered about the 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 digital effects. But I was only watching it last night. It's like wow, this is isn't it aging as well as a <clears throat> like the rest of the film's fine, but just the digital effects didn't age yeah. as well as the rest of the film. Yeah, and um, one of the like when I was watching it, I I wasn't paying attention to, like the like, the credits at the start, and mm. then I was just. I was so taken back as soon as I heard that voice of the fucking army colonel in the cemetery. Ah, yes. I knew who it was. Aye. Right away uh, when he was fucking... I mean, who else? Eh? Exactly. If you want to have a fucking <coughs> uh, army sergeant in your film who's fresh, hot off a Toy Story. Oh, uh, yeah, it would have been. Eh? <laughs> uh, but he was brilliant. And, uh, like, he was, like, your stereo... It kind of transformed the different authority roles. Like, he was, like, your drill sergeant... And then he was all in fucking SWAT police armour and at the end they had him with two big machine guns Aye. when he came across the fucking uh, demonic spirit Aye. and he was trying to stop it and it just fucking cuts right through him. Yeah. I quite liked that bit when he was uh, when he actually started to like like talk shit to the demon. Aye, aye. Because that's it. And at the start like, he obviously doesn't like the fucking well he doesn't like Bannister at all because yeah. He shows up and he, 
he's a con man. He's he's exploiting the dead as well as the living. Yeah. So when he sees him in the graveyard, he's like, ah, I'm tired of seeing you here, and just like give him all this shit. Which is brilliant. The 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 female leads uh, that Doctor Linsky. Yeah. It's funny to see how obviously she was in this relationship with this this guy Ray, but as soon as she's as he soon as he's died. Like that all happens off camera. Yeah. Because you you didn't even notice he's dead until he's running down the street screaming yeah. and scared and then he bumps into fucking Bannister. But she seems to have gotten over his death quite Aye, really quick. Aye. Whereas like She's like taking him out to dinner and She all knew that. she was married to like a douchebag for some reason and seemed almost relieved that he died. Yeah. So I was I was I I didn't think it last night, but just thinking it now saying it out loud is like we should have expected a twist where it was revealed ah, that she yeah. killed she him. Ah, yeah, I was... I, I never thought that, but you thought about it. Aye. But the fucking touch with... Um, was it Josh Bartlett? No, Johnny Bartlett. Uh, carving the numbers in people's foreheads. Aye. Is a, like, an eerie thing to see. Like, when he's just looking at... Because it was Ray. Aye, he's seen the numbers first, eh? Aye, and he's like... Look at him, and it was when he's fucking chewing out Cyrus and shoot later on. It's like, which one of you was fucking around with the numbers on the guy's forehead? And they're like, what? The, what? But everywhere he goes, he just sees the yeah. numbers, and the numbers are getting higher. And it's just the fact that they're this serial killer couple, fucking Jake Busey. And you can totally tell, eh? Like, uh, it's, he's, like, just proper... Now you could just tell he's Gary Busey's son. Yeah, just, just with a big, massive jaw and a big teeth. Aye, and there's like the slick back blonde hair. And, and he's, he's always got like, like, Gary Busey always had that menacing, like, kind of grin. Aye. And that's exactly what like, Jake has as well. Oh, definitely. And it, yeah, I had the right character for it. Like, it was a fucking creepy fucking character. Yeah. But he was getting off on the fact that they were killing people uh, between him and it was, they described her as like the doctor's daughter. Yeah. Wasn't it? Um, that D. Wallace. Yeah. Thing with. Aye. It's somebody. The thing with Bradley. The mum for E.T. Was it? Aye. Ah, shit. Was... But to have them is like this. Because she was sort of portrayed as this this lassie that's got some mental health issues yeah. who's been kept in the house. But when it reveals she's just as fucking nutty as her partner, that, that kind of takes up a notch where the whole thing where they're fucking chasing, like, it's. I'm getting ahead of myself in here, but Doctor Linsky, I was. I was is surprised. it when it cuts to the scene where he's in like the hospital? Um, towards when towards him, he's walking through the house, and then all of a sudden he's he's in the hospital, and um, fucking uh, what's his playing like the orderly, Aye. and ignores the doctor. Aye. Yes, alright, because that's that was that was a a great bit towards him where it was. Kind of letting you see how it played out, but he's like he's stuck in a flashback, whereas he's walking around this clearly old dilapidated hospital, yeah. looking for the fucking for the wee parish church that's hidden in yeah. it somewhere. But uh, I do like how they go on their killing spree, where as you said, the fucking the orderly was trying he was posing as an orderly, and then he turns around he's got a fucking rifle uh, on the table and just starts fucking blowing holes in people. Yeah, it's like oh. I guess you were number one then. Aye. Shot on it. Um, one the character that I think I really in the film was fucking. Oh, you're gonna say fucking Milton? Yeah, Jeffrey Combs. Yes. Um, Aye. Like, 
I think I keep fucking saying it to you, but you really need to go and watch Reanimator. Aye, aye. I, I never knew that was him until I was sort of doing my research this afternoon. Yeah. Just to see what else he was known for. And, like, that's like, he's the dude on the poster. He's the fucking lead. Yeah. So, that was like, oh, shit, this is this dude. Because he always had, like, a really unique look in this. Aye. I'm, I'm not sure if it's just because he wore, I think it was, like, black uh, contact lenses. Aye. So, his eyes always looked oh, really dad, fucking dad, yeah. weird. And I think there was a trivia note saying he he'd put uh, like something behind his ears to make them stick out, like it's like just some sort of wee prop thing just to kind of right. make his ears look that extra daft and have like the wee Hitler Youth haircuts. Yeah, because it was a right slick back. Yeah. Aye, and like fucking jet black, shaved at the sides, and it was just funny how strangely patriotic he was. Yeah, like. He knew all his fucking law, and enough when you had like that that fucking cop, uh, who's in everything. Yeah, I know what you're on about. Like the police chief, um, Troy Evans. Yeah. Like when he's fucking putting him in his place when they had lifted Bannister early on, and he's trying to take over, and he fucking just chases him out of the room with the fact that by the president of the United States and this that and the next thing I have the power and yeah. And it's just to see how fucking weird this character gets. Yeah. Like, at one point, he fucking rips his shirt off, and he's got like the lead plate, the lead chest plate on. Yeah. It's not until fucking later when he takes that fucking chest plate off. And he's got like, what he calls it like a roadmap of pain or something. Yes, it's like he's he's clawed off his nipples. He's yeah. got fucking like I don't know if it's scripture or it's not tattooed, but it's scarred on him for the looks of it. And it's like. Oh, this boy's troubled. Yeah. And he's got like a really weird thing where he like he can't stand women screaming. Yes, uh he does I think he's Achilles healer. Ah, uh, he's so fucking un like just it's, really Ah, uh, it really unsettles him. Aye. Uh, but there's that great point where he's trying to stop uh Bannister and he lets fucking Doctor Lucy run past him. And then she just fucking clocks him. Well, it doesn't they clock him with the fire extinguisher, but hoses him down. Uh, because you think it's all over. Like, he's an FBI agent, but he's got a fucking Uzi. Aye, uh, it's the scene where he's, um, I'm sure uh, Bannis is like, he's like, like, Kane, like, you really are an arsehole. Uh, and he's like, aye, I'm an arsehole with an Uzi. Uh, and he just pulls it and just pulls the fucking trigger. Aye. Uh, at least it, it makes the character fun. Like, you could have had anyone yeah. as like an FBI agent. Can who, I kind of almost looks a bit like Bruce Campbell. Aye. It looks a wee bit like Bruce Campbell. I think if, if I reckon if they if they if they, if they, if they got Jeffrey Combs they probably would have had Bruce Campbell or somebody like that in that role. And I mean he he fucking suffered a horrible demise eh? Yes. With a rifle. That was that I was a fucking fun shot as well because as it happens you just it's weird because the fact that the ghost's face was there instantly. Yeah. So, like, you see the head explode, but the face was still there. But, of course, it was just the soul that yeah. was in its place. And you have that great shot at the end where Troy Evans comes up, has a wee words, and says, ah, oh, it's a shame about that guy. And says, ah, don't worry. He's, and he's in the back of the and car. Like, uh, and he's like, he's probably closer than you think. And the guy's like, <laughs> you're a funny guy, Barnston, and drives away. And you just see fucking Jeffrey Combs in the back seat with a sour pus going... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was good to have that dynamic like right we've got the fucking rogue serial killer demonic spirit 
And then you've also got this FBI agent who's a fucking nutter as well. Yeah. So you kind of had these two elements. It wasn't just like one enemy uh, that was pursuing them. Maybe one of my favourite moments was, as we touched on lightly there, was the race to the the, the church at the end. Because uh, obviously they go to the fucking, uh, I guess, the, the Bartlett house or like the house that... That the girl lives in where she's being kept yeah. in by her mum exactly and it always looks like oh the mum's the evil one but it turns out it's just because she's fucking about as bad as the demons yeah. and when Dr. Lucy runs in after her and Ray gets that image where he could see what like since he's a spirit he could see what it for it really is and it almost just looks like this distorted demon head that she's running into the mouth of yeah. and he's like oh no Danny go in there Danny go in there and they've got the what is like a, a fun effect shot where it's just the fucking camp the the ghost underneath the carpets yeah. and it's running up the stairs and it's knocking up all like the metal poles that was holding the carpets in place things like that but the amount of times the fucking fucking that house are getting chased around by the fucking carpet and wallpaper yeah. would be enough the fucking I, I wouldn't fucking stay in that house it doesn't matter nah. <laughs> right if the demon's in that house fucking we're away but I do like when Lucy's in there and she hides and she discovers the fucking uh, the the carpet knife. Yeah, aye, the, the box stand, cutter. Aye, the box cutter with the initials. Like, because they all assumed that it was fucking Frank back in the day that kills his wife. But it all, I think, it was, was it not Frank's wife was number one? No, 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 that orderly was number Aye. one. She was like number 11 or something. Yeah. But he was already the spirit at that point, but it was his box cutter that was used yeah. to carve the letters in, wasn't it? Aye. So, and obviously thought it was it was him, but who was the woman that was telling the story about the box cutter? The, was it the man on the construction site that knew something was up? Or was he the one that got it wrong? Cramming. Aye. I'm, I'm overthinking it, but... It was it, there is that story, and she obviously, Doctor Lucy, kind of saw the innocence in him and wanted to believe him. Yeah. Because he he was always like quick to dismiss like, oh fuck, they want to be around me. I'm a bad person. Blah blah. All the kids, what happened to my wife? And yeah. and he's living in such a fucking dilapidated house. Aye, like, it just looks so run down. Aye, like obviously, okay, right. His wife died whilst it was getting refurbished. They're getting built. And it's just been left like that. But the only thing he's maintained is this fucking garden that she always wanted. So he's got that for her. And you just have Ray in the background going, what a waste of a good hoop. <laughs> and I just said, looking at the basketball hoop. And he's just like, why would you do that? Uh, did you notice who the composer was? Danny Elfman. Yes. Did you get any... When I was watching it last night, I felt a mixture of... Beetlejuice. Yes. Aye, I've the got, cinematography I've got, and the music. Aye, I've got a lot of Beetlejuice like music. Beetlejuice, vibes. maybe a little bit uh, Edward Scissorhands. Mm, just a bit of being kind of just the like way with, it the, was, like with the hussies and all. Aye, aye. aye. And saying that, I think actually, no, that's the birdcage. Uh, I was going to say the Muller for Edward Scissorhands. As the mother and the birdcage. Exactly. I was getting my films. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. I mind because I didn't know it was that, but fucking Margaret was like, I ken her. I've seen yeah. her for someone. Rewatchability, how how soon do you think you would go back to this one, Mike? Um, 
I would probably watch it if it was on telly. Like ah, again, yeah. if it had already started or something, or there was yeah, like there was nothing else. Last forty-five minutes, yeah. I would easily watch it again. Um, I probably wouldn't go out my way to buy it unless it was like a proper, so like an, an Arrow special edition, chock full of special features thing. Like yeah. I think the film on its own, like on Blu-ray, yeah, probably unless not it enough. was like unless it was maybe. Pound land for a pound. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no uh, on it on a, a cheap deal. But yeah. I, I, I wouldn't go in my way to buy it unless there was like a properly uh, uh, special edition. Yeah. With like with probably enough special features. Yeah. To at least warrant a purchase. Yeah. So, uh, do you want some trivia? Yeah. I let's go. As I said, Danny Elfman was so impressed with Peter Jackson's previous film, Heavenly Creatures, and that he offered to do the score for one of Jackson's next movies and agreed to do the movie without even knowing what it was about. Ah. So, he got carte blanche. Peter Jackson loved Jeffrey Combs' work on the reanimator movies so much, he'd asked cast and director Victoria Burroughs to find out whether Combs was still available and working uh, since he was quite unsure. Fortunately, Combs was available and signed up. He wore black contact lenses for his role. Yeah. So at least it, like he liked them that much that they seeked him out. Yeah. But I guess when they're reanimated, it must have been a, an 80s uh, it, deal. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's such a weird fucking film. It's, again, it's, 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 just, it's just comedy. Yeah. There's nothing scary about the film, but the, the comedy and the practical effects is fucking like... Almost as good as like Raimi's Evil Dead and that. Eh? Aye, aye. It was really good. Aye, it's something I really need to fucking get around to seeing. Yeah. Budgets. It's, uh, not, it's not a big film, Mike. Yeah, I reckon budget's probably about 15 million, maybe. It was double, actually. It was 30. 30. Alright. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it made its money back? I think maybe, but maybe just. Uh, domestic, it made 16.7. And foreign, twelve point six. Twenty nine so million dollars. Yeah. So it bombed basically. It fell short of its and that worldwide twenty nine million. So it yeah. was close to breaking but I mean, even. Think about though when you look at films in nineteen ninety six. What did you have? And I reckon if this even got there, actually there was a trivia note that I glossed over, saying that both. Uh, Peter Jackson and the producers of the film were lobbying for a Halloween release. All right. Whereas the studio uh, disagreed with them and got them to release the film at the height of the summer. Uh, you want an Amazon one-star review? I'm assuming that's probably... I have uh, three. Out of the 202 one-star reviews, there, uh, sorry, the 202 reviews, there is 12 one-star reviews. Also, we'll take this moment to advertise our Amazon link on filmsandswearing.com. Go to filmsandswearing.com, click on our Amazon link, and do your shopping as normal. It is the easiest way to support Films and Swearing. Uh, your purchase, there'll be no added extras, but a small percentage of your purchase gets sent our way. So if you want to help out Films and Swearing, do your shopping on Amazon via filmsandswearing.com. Right, our first review. Not Funny and Not Frightening by J. Ritchie. Based on other reviews and ratings of this film, I decided to buy and watch it. Well, it's not funny. Not even slightly. 
and it definitely isn't frightening in any way. It's just pedestrian, dull and cliched. Based on this, I wouldn't have given Jackson a sniff at Lord of the Rings. Turgid is my one-word summary. Alright. I felt like a lot was going on in that review. If you had a one-word summary, why was there three paragraphs of text before yeah, I'm it? Say. Uh, our next one, Rubbish by Vincent. Low budget, and most episodes are boring. <laughs> mm, is she watching the right thing? Exactly. Right, man, so, tell me. Yeah, um, Tell so, me all about The Birdcage. So, uh, The Birdcage was directed by Mike Nichols. Um, it stars Robin Williams as Armand Goldman, Nathan Lane as Albert Goldman, Gene Hartman as Senator Kevin Keeley, Diane Weist as Louise Keeley, um, Hank Azaria as Agador, Dan Futterman as Van Goldman, sorry, Val Goldman, mm. and uh, Calista Flockhart as uh, Barbara Keeley. Mm. That's it. Um, Mike, what's the plot to um, the bird The plot cage? is after finding out that his son is about to wed the daughter of a, senate, a state senator, a gay nightclub owner and his partner, put on a straight face, so to speak, when meeting the right-wing family for dinner. And that's it? Yeah. It's funny when I rewatched it, like, that's it. I, I, I never knew there was any much after the dinner. Yeah. But... No, Mike, was this a first time watch for you? Um, it was. I've seen, I've seen bits of it here and there, but I've never watched it start to finish. Start to finish. And what did you think, man? Um, yeah, I actually quite liked it. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a different role for uh, Williams. Aye, aye, and I think I'm the same. That's one of these films where you forget how much you like it because uh, I've. I, I could swear I probably recorded it off of Sky when I was wee. Mm. Although I didn't remember, I didn't if my parents questioned me watching it. I a film yeah. about like a bunch of queens and all these people in drag. Yeah. But if I had Robin Williams in it, like mm. that, that was probably a reason yeah. for me to watch it. Um, yeah. But it wasn't until really when he died that we kind of revisited it. Yeah. And you just remember, it's like, fuck, this is a really charming film. Like, everyone's really good in this film. Yeah. I was glad to hear, like, that you hadn't seen it. So I was like, I'm looking forward to hear your full thoughts on it. Yeah. So, um, do you want to start with your notes or do you want a question? I know, I'll start off with the first note is I've got, I've got the, like, the, like the, the trifecta, uh, Albert, Armand, and uh, Agador. Yes. Because obviously you get introduced to them at the start of the film. Aye, aye. But it starts off with like that long like tracking shot going through like South Beach, and then it exactly. goes into the the nightclub, nightclub and all that, and then it goes for like pretty much goes around the whole nightclub. And one of the things I didn't like notice was then uh, the bit where he's in that same like uh, shot where he's walking through the club, and he like pops in the kitchen, aye. and like one in the kitchen like she is like wearing like a skirt. Aye. And like Ben's doing to pick up food off the floor and puts it on a plate. Aye, <laughs> uh, and then because it's I don't know if it's obvious right away, but obviously you hear singing, and then when it cuts on stage, and you realise it's just all these guys lip syncing. Yeah, 
No. And I mean, like, because those are like the one you kind of really notice is like the tall black one. Yes. It's got like the really manly cheekbones and stuff. Big broad shoulders. Yeah. Aye, that's no chick. Yeah. Aye. And then obviously when he goes upstairs and you get him, like, uh, Hank Azaria try to talk. Like, obviously we're definitely taking it's Nathan Lane to begin with. Aye. Oh, aye, because he's in the fucking bathroom screaming and greeting. Yeah, aye, he's under the bed covers. Aye, and what was the the, the name? Uh, is it not like... Startina or... Startina, yeah. Yeah. And it was another like a shot where Robin Williams gets in, he's trying to fucking open the door and rips the handle off and ah, yeah. sitting fucking swearing at the door. Aye. Aye. Hank Azaria gets like quite a choice role in this. Yeah, he's very, very like like camp and flamboyant in the way. Yes. He, he kinda talks he has got like kinda of, like a like a proper like a, Hispanic. Yeah, like Puerto Rican. Yes. And they they all write him off as a Guatemalan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he does great as like this character actor, doesn't he? Like, yeah. He manages to kind of blend into anything, or really fucking be a really good at any role that he's handled. Because we were talking about him having a role in Heat. Yeah. So they go for the fucking Heat to being the fucking yeah. housemaids walking about in the wee Daisy Duke fucking cut off jeans, Aye. or going about in a thong like skimming the pool. <laughs> <laughs> but. It's honestly the shots of him fucking running about the house in shoes. Ah, oh, when he's playing the butler. Aye. Like, and the shoes are like two sizes too big. <laughs> he's just fawning stairs. And he's just fucking falling over in every second shot. Yeah. I honestly was fucking having a proper belly, like, like unexpectedly laughing. Yeah, I was, when I was watching it today, I was seeing some proper good laughs at the film. Like. Aye, it is. It's a, I think it's a great wee film. It's, I think if it's something that's kind of... It's not talked about. Enough. As much. Yes. And it's just, everyone is fucking on fire in it. Like, there's not one person that's no really picking up. Yeah. Like, Nathan Lane is fucking incredible in this film. Yeah. Because, like, obviously, like, I think my, my last or my second last notes was obviously, like, who I think steals it. And it's one that's, I think, it's a film that I do not even know who to put. Because, it could be a Because time, there's, like, like, there's parts where you think it could be them, and then this thing happens in the film, and you think, oh. It's going to be them. Hi, this is their film. And I mean, I quite liked um, like Gene Hartman's performance as a set yes. Kevin Keeley because obviously he's in the midst of like a like a like re- like re-election and all that. Aye, and then the and then that big scan- scandal hits. Oh, what was it? Is <laughs> is uh, like his right hand man's basically been found dead in the bed of an underage underage black uh, whore, black, black prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, the bit that made me fucking laugh was when they're in the car driving to South Beach. And here on the radio, and it was like, um, what was the guy's title? Um, was it because he's the senator? I come in. Aye, but it was like his last words were, "Is like money's on the nightstand for you, chocolate." <laughs> <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> there's so so many things wrong. Like, right, okay, tip of a prostitute, but Kreiner chocolate <laughs> is also pretty fucking racist. <laughs> Let alone the fact that she's underage. But the money's on the nightstand, chocolate. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! <laughs> you can tell why he's fucking cringing, like yeah. when he's trying to climb in and out of the house through a fucking ladder to avoid all uh, the fucking well, paparazzi and that cunt, that Saint Fraser. More like the informant uh, that fucking follows them yeah. down the South Beach. But he does really well. Like we were talking about. 
What film <laughs> was I talking about? That Gene Hackman was an absolute unforgiven. To see him mm. doing something so fucking funny and light-hearted, yeah, it just kind of shows how diverse he is. And he's got like it's kind of almost like really like obsessed with like fucking like chocolate and that. Aye, it's also like that's his that's his <clears> go-to <throat> when he's stressed. And the fucking the wife's tipping it all in the bin, and he's picking up the bin, <laughs> leafing through it to get the, like the fucking chocolate suit. Yeah, I completely forgot. Calista Flockhart was the the daughter. Aye. She does these and like the thing is, like, I was looking at her, I was like, fucking hell, she looks young as fuck. And then it wasn't until I read the trivia notes and I was like, fucking hell. How old was she? So she plays, she's 18 in this role. Okay. At that time, she was 30. Oh, 30. And the guy that played Val, he was 27, and his character was 20. 20? Aye, because I noticed that part where it was like, shows up to talk to... Oh, what the fuck was Robin's character cried again? Yeah, Armand. Aye, Armand. And he was, and he told him about the margin. He's like, you're 20 years old. He's like, he's an old 20. Like, <clears throat> that kid, like, that guy does not look like, like he's yeah. had a hard bike around if he's fucking 20. Aye. I never looked up the trivia, but, like, you could tell. Aye, like, he was 27 at the time. Exactly. But fucking Calista Flockar was, like, was fucking cute as a button in it. And I, I guess she just looks young. Yeah. But, because I think was this around the time when she was doing that Ally McBeal thing? Must have, because that was all bit that was all like in the nineties, wasn't it? That was yeah in amongst like ER and Friends. Yeah. So she must have been. Oh, it was like she was dressed as if she was came out of fucking private boarding school. She just looked like a yeah. like a fucking schoolgirl <clears throat> just to try and I guess de-age her. Yeah. To be also we talked about like also like the character like, like Nathan Lane. Mm-hmm. Nathan Lane was fucking brilliant in this. Aye, he's so fucking good. Like, and I think he's actually like that in a lot of his films. Like, like I think if it, he's at the stature where he is almost like a, a national treasure, but films like this is yeah. easily like it has to be his top four. Like IMDb, yeah. Birdcage is his character. Yeah, because obviously. Before going on the stage, there's a heinous argument saying, nah, like, like, that's white wine in your fridge. You only drink red. I only drink red. Who is he? Aye. And, like, obviously he knows that he's up to something. Aye. And, obviously, when when um, Val comes around, obviously, you kind of first think they are a couple, and then they find out that it's his son, obviously. Aye. Because like, you, you could probably easily describe him as, like, a fucking psycho diva. Yeah. And he's that protective of his man. Yeah. It's just like it's it's just screams that he does Mar- when he's like when he goes to cry and all that. <laughs> Aye, like Margaret broke like she was being fucking stitches every time, <laughs> like when he pierces the toast. <laughs> it does this like I can't I can't emulate it, but the fucking squeal he does. It's like I broke the toast. Yeah, it's like well fucking say it like oh and it's like. Yeah, you no, and fucking Robin Williams is talking like John Wayne's like, Will you pierce the toast? And he's like, Yeah, and he's like, grab another slice, chuck it. Like, yeah. I'm a man, this is what men do. Yeah. It's when like he's trying to man him up and get him to ah, do yeah, that. that walk. Was, um, I think that was probably my favourite scene in the film. Like, and I was just they're doing the John Wayne yeah. strut and they uh, I like how that scene ends where they end up picking on the tall guy. Aye, who who's completely uh, had no problem with him whatsoever. He's like, "Hey, you bumped into me." He's like, "Well, what you gonna do about it?" It's like, "You did prick." You... Aye. He's like, "Did you call me an asshole?" And it turns out to be like 
fucking the height of Andre the Giants. And next thing he's lying there with a fucking ice pack on. Yeah. Also, that scene where, like, the most man up. This is obviously before they, they ah. get the news that they're going to be getting married and all that. And that she's the daughter of, like, the senator. Aye. <clears throat> so he has to ask them to act as if, well, he wasn't, well, Albert wasn't going to be involved anyway. Aye. They were going to get, like, the, like the actual mum. The actual birth mum to show up. Aye. But, um, I, I think it's like one of those things new where you watch it and you think, man, that, that sort of type of storyline would cause like an outrage or like things like that. Nowadays, how we've progressed so far and with political correctness, you can ask like a family to be straight. Or, yeah. At times, the son in this film's a bit of a prick. Aye. Like, you, I didn't have a lot of sympathy for him at times. Just for like all the, the way he's acting, how he treats Albert, or he's doing this, and like he's really wanting all this stuff to work, and it's like man. But it's like the whole message of the film, like you yeah. just kind of have to accept your family for who they are. Yeah, and um, but like that also the scene like the morning after when they f- find that they're going to have to like do the dinner and that, it's like Robin Williams like choice of like decor. Aye. And uh, and it's like he's sitting in the kitchen on a bike. Eating his breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> like, who has a fucking bike in their kitchen? Exactly. Right next to the fridge. Aye. And then and it's also when they do the whole makeover and that, like, the, all the, the, all the, the gay art. The, the gay art and the paintings, and then they, just, they totally change everything with a big fucking, like, crucifix. <laughs> Aye. And he's got that line where, like, two guys walk in with a fucking moose head. It's like, <laughs> guys, I said, like, subtract, let's not add. Just subtract. Let's take things away. Let's not add anything. Uh, there's a great shot later on where I think Robin Williams is looking for like a pen and paper to write a sign to, to warn like the birth mother before Aye. she shows up. But he opens like a cabinet, he picks up one statue and just grabs it by his big dick and holds it <laughs> and he's looking for a bit of paper. And they're having the dinner in the background and I think you just see the sun going like wide eyed because the dad's waving this big dick statue and looking for a pen. Yeah. Grabs it and just shoves it back in the cupboard because they're just hiding all this fucking stupid gay decor yeah, yeah um one of the one of the bits i like in the film is also when um after the whole like scandal like gene hatman and his family are rocking to cooped up in their house aye and the, the then obviously plan to go away down to south beach and he's using the ladders mm-hmm. and uh, and then also when he's climbing the ladders he gets fucking absconded by everybody aye and, and he does he's a just, press conference yeah. on a ladder <laughs> Gene Hartman does really get in this. Yeah. He's definitely is like one of those things where you get to see on the softer side of him, but you can see that he, he does comedies really well. I've, yeah. I've not seen the Royal Tenenbaums in a while. No, I've never seen that yet. But that was, I uh, mind them being Wes Anderson, eh? Yes. But another like Gene Hackman thing I liked was when uh, Albert shows up as the mother and just how oh yeah he's not attracted he is to her but he's just like he's so chummy with her yeah <laughs> but how could like how could you not see that that's like a man in drag because it's blatantly obvious aye uh, other than looking at the Adam's apple I reckon if they just assumes like oh it's just an ugly mother but it's, I just love how he plays her like so frightfully posh mm. and it just it just works it, like that's and it's it's not like a a big decision to film but it's something that happens like I guess maybe like the beginning of the third act yeah where, when they, when they arrive at the South Beach aye and it, well when 
Albert comes out as the Muller. Yeah. Like, I was, I'm always thinking, remembering movies wrong, where I think that was like a big element from the beginning, but it wasn't until thing we was caught in traffic, like a fucking bridge I opened up in yeah, the boat. Yeah, the, the bridge was uh, raised. Because I'd remember it, like maybe she changed her mind and chickened out uh, and left a message, but. And I mean, it was, it's kind of one of the films where really everything that can go wrong does. Yes, aye. Because that's it. They're wanting to make the best impression and absolute fucking everything goes wrong. Fucking what, didn't show up. What's his name? Fucking uh, Adagar Spartacus. Yes. Is his name. <laughs> and well, when he's no falling out of his shoes, he's making a sweet and sour peasant soup. Yeah, well, I stay class as a, like, fucking, like, shrimp chowder. Aye, and he's like, it's got eggs in it. And he's like, it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's just before that, though, it's when they bring out the cutlery and the crockery and it's the bowls. Aye. And it's, like, the, the artwork on the bowl, it's, like, all the fucking, like, dicks and all that. Aye, and like, it's, like, Greek wrestling. Yeah. Oh, it looks like it's boys wrestling. Like, Greek, I think they're naked. He's like, oh, no, I see girls too. And he says, look, he's like, no, he's like, I've not got my glasses on, I could tell that's a boy. <laughs> and the, just before they have a proper look, the fucking doll, the fucking soup in it. Yeah. But, like, obviously, like, before like, the dinner scene as well, they're having, like, all the, the chat with the wine and all that, and they're just getting, I think they're almost getting absolutely fucking tanked just to cope. Aye. And they uh, fucking... Like, it's so fucking awkward, they're yeah, all... like, Spartacus is fucking in the kitchen struggling because he can't even cook to save his life. Aye. And I think that was always, like, one of the, the scenes that went, made uh, Val look like a proper dick when he was talking to Agador saying, you have to play it straight. And he's like, oh, come on, all the fucking maids in South Beach are gay, like... And he said, no, fucking, like, you just tell him to tone it down, put some fucking shoes on. And he gets all uh, sad and walks away. And it, like, Aye, he plays a very unlikable character, even though he's kind of only meaning like, the best interest for, like, his right to be and all that. Aye. Thing. But aye, he pushes a lot of people back in the closet, yeah. <laughs> so to say. But it's, it's a fucking, it's a scene where uh, also they've set this, they've served the soup and they realise that he's not cooked a fucking main course. Aye. And, like, Val, Armand, and Ali are in, are in the kitchen. They're all in a fucking mental breakdown. Yeah. And all three of them are crying and they're fucking necking the wine and they roll around turns and slips. Oh, and slips in the fucking kitchen. One of those great wee fucking falls. Yeah. Where it's just like that and you just see the feet go whoop, like the carpet being been out from underneath yeah. them. That's, I think they just rely on fucking drink because the next thing you see they're all having like a sing song. Like yeah. two of them's on the piano then you've got fucking Gene Hackman and Nathan Lane dancing the fucking Agador opens the door to do the fucking solo and sing. Yeah. And then, as well, like, they hear that whole, where they're asking him, like, um, Gene Hackman about his campaign and all that, and they hear that whole speech about, like, gays and oh, like, Jews yeah. and exactly. all that, and it's like, oof, you're fucking push, pushing the round buttons here, like. Uh, he, like, all his political views are all against. Yeah. It's like, man, you're in South Beach. Like, you're at, You'd feel like it was mere obviously like he's in the house above a night. But like before obviously before the penny drops, like a part of me always thinks that the mum kinda knows or Aye, kinda like kinda cottons on. He is. Aye. Because he's just kinda like like he blinded me all this, eh? Mm-hmm. Now at what moment does Nathan Lane's wig slip? It's where they're um, pouring the wine and um Ah, oh, yeah, she pours the wine and she goes to say something and she bends down and 
goes up in the wig fucking shift. <laughs> the wig's kind of shifting all over the place. Aye, because that's prior to the birth mother walking in. Yeah. Isn't it? That's in the because months obviously, of the Yeah, because all the news networks finds out where they're really going. Aye. And then they've uh, wrote that note and the, the, yeah, the, the hang on the door at the bottom, but the, the, fucking... the two journalists aye, they... find the note and take the note off, so obviously, uh, what's her name? So aye, the fucking, the birth mother doesn't aye. see it and then just walks right in on it all yeah. and starts playing the mother. And they're all like, no, the mother's here. Like, well, how many mothers does he have? And, and I think that's kind of when Val... That's your tipping point where he has to redeem himself. Yeah, out. where he kind of has... Where it's like he actually finally is like fine with having... Like, seeing um, how much effort Albert's going to so he can have a fucking perfect night. He has to kind of say, this is... Well, this is my mum. Yeah. And it's just... Gene Hackman's like, what? Aye. He's like, but... It's like, they're men. He's like, what? Aye. How? And like... And even the mum's like, right, come, I'm gonna have to explain it to you. Like he's just <laughs> that naive to it. He's like, but I don't get it. <laughs> I was always almost waiting for him to say, which one has the vagina? <laughs> yeah, like, he just seemed that fucking dumbstruck by it. And it's we're also with him here, we speech and that, and it's like we're, we're gonna have to go. Now. I hope wherever that's went, and I hope you'll still vote for me. I hope this doesn't influence your vote. <laughs> yeah. and, and he just he opens the door and the guy's out at the door and like Senator Keeling just automatically turns and shuts the door and he's like, oh, fuck. Yes. It was like that great moment. It was like, oh, they're fucked. Like, how the fuck are you going to get yeah, out of this one? Yeah, because obviously they're, they're also on top of that scandal. This is like everything they're against. They're basically their daughters marrying into that sort of thing. Exactly. They're above a fucking like drag club and like... They're in with the owners. The, the fucking right hand man was already saying, "Fucking here's the money, chocolate." And now they're in a fucking <laughs> drag bar. <laughs> it's like the picture's not getting any prettier. Yeah. So uh, his political career. And he's just like fucking sitting on the chair with like a towel on his head and Aye. um, what's his name? Fucking Adagar's like another shot. Aye. <laughs> just topping him up. Nah, I'm and trying then, to think. And then obviously they fucking decide. The best way, the only out. way to get out. Aye, I was surprised. Like it, it works, which is like the surprise because I, I could have swore at some point I was waiting for one of the reporters to, I know you, like click. But the fact that when they reveal Gene Hackman and his wife in rag, yeah. the fact that he's he's more or less like a Marilyn Monroe that like he's in the white yeah. dress and he's got the big fluffy white hair it but just it always reminds me of Kurt Russell with Tango and Cash where he's dressed like a stripper <laughs> and it's just because he's, 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 he looks so tall in the high heels eh? Aye. the big massive white hair yeah, and like the big like fucking a, bright dark a fucking, like a gorilla in a suit and it's yeah. like yeah, what no it stands with like the sorest thumb yeah and but, it's like he's, he's not even properly singing Aye. It's just kind of like saying the word really slowly and, and he's panicking. And there's he... no like a scene where somebody tries to fucking dance with him and Nathan Lane has to cut in and steal no. him away. No, it's um, the the mum. Yes. She uh, starts dancing and, that, and the guy's like, oh, I've never danced with a man before. Aye. And, and she's, that, trying and she's to do just that like, accent. oh. Like, well, and puts, puts, puts on the deep voice. Aye. aye. And Calista Flockhart's comment was like, why am I not getting any attention? Yeah. 
But then and obviously Nathan she, Lane fucking picks um, Gene Hartman to dance with. Aye. And uh, I fucking love the line when they get out to the cars and they're hopping in and Gene Hartman looks over to his fucking driver and he says, right, meet you down in the corner of fucking this avenue. And the guy's like, not for a million dollars, sweethearts. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, that was fucking brilliant. It's like they've fooled everyone. Yeah. And it, it kind of ends with like, well, that's it, you get your credits, but then you get the wedding in yeah. amongst the credits. And it's just the most confused looking people uh, ever. You've got everyone for the drag, like you've got Val's family, his dad's family, so it's obviously for the drag club, and they're all dressed in big flamboyant colours. Then obviously at the other end, looking over going, what? And they're like, which one's the mum? Aye. And even with, I know like, to the drag club folk we're looking it's like oh, look at Bob Doe it's like I don't like, <laughs> and there's I don't even care who that is but <laughs> it's just like it's also a dig at someone yeah even though I've talked about it and I've had time to digest it I still kind of pick who steals it because Aye. at first like after seeing like the first 10 minutes of like Gene Hartman I felt maybe there could have been a bit more Gene Hartman in the film Aye. like because like I well, mean he's stuck in the car Aye, yeah I know it's not until really the third act that he he's in there interacting with everyone yeah. else. I mean, I was kind of thinking that he maybe would have been the one that stole the film. Aye. Like, Hank Azaria for like, his over-flamboyantness and the voice and exactly. all that. But uh, Nathan Lane, like, it's just purely for that fucking toe scene. Eh? <laughs> Aye, it is a proper tug of war. Cause it's funny thinking that. I, you kind of watch, like... I guess like one of the main reasons you watch is like ah it's Robin Williams and it's funny to see that he's no stealing it he's quite one of the more yeah cool headed cam characters in comparison to the more flamboyant ones yeah so ah it is it is a difficult one but I would say maybe Nathan Lane has the edge because it's just the fact that all the stuff he he does like he's yeah. easily like the most charming character that comes from it but. Yeah. Because he feels he's getting to the point where he's at that age now, where he's knows he feels that Romans isn't attracted to him anymore and stuff. Aye. But no, it is it's one of those fucking films that he's, I think I'll always remember, like that and Mouse Hunt. Yeah. I was going to say Mouse Trap, but no, it's Mouse Hunt, him and Lee Evans. Uh, Christopher Walton is a fucking mental exterminator. Aye, aye. It's brilliant. <laughs> Well, there's even no point saying rewatchability because uh, I've already said it, yeah. it's an easy watch, isn't it? I think it's probably I think it's probably in my list of where if it's on one night and there's nothing else on and it doesn't matter what bit the form is as long as it's no pretty much at the end. Aye. I'll probably stick it on. Exactly. Hope miss it the bit with the fucking toast. <laughs> but it's like that, that's that's just one scene where he does that squeal, but he drops Aye, that squeal quite a, a lot. It's, it's uh, obviously when he um, when he walks into the office on uh, Williams and his and the the mum, aye, and then he has that wee stroke with his other driving him, and mm. uh, and he's like he's obviously like a really bad driver, aye, and like it cuts to like Williams getting back in the house and, and he's like oh is Albert no back and he's like nah and he's like ah he's gonna be stuck doing twenty miles fucking doing South Beach so I had to get the fucking bus here. <laughs> and there's that and there's that great bit where they're trying to they're cleaning the house they're just erasing all all I guess gayness they're, they're just yeah. straightening up the house and fucking Williams is trying to keep 
Nathan Lane out of the house and they're just walking back and he's like, oh, I'm tired, let's go home. And he's like, no, no, let's go here, let's do this. Like, no, no, I just want to go home. And then he goes, oh, my ankle. And he fucking screams. It's like, what's happened? He's like, oh, no, my ankle. You need to hold on. And he's just trying to find any way just to slow him down. <sighs> and they just go there. And it's, it's a heartbreaking moment for him when he walks in. And just to see, like, the first reaction is like, oh, we've been robbed. <laughs> and he's that fucking <laughs> petrified. Yeah, like he doesn't think the fact that they're just they're just hiding anything gay about the house. Yeah, since we've been robbed. I was kind of waiting as well for like everyone to like fall out the cupboards. Aye, you just, like they're just looking for dinner plates and they just find a fucking knob in their face. It's like, whoa, <laughs> that's some strange artifact. That always seemed uh, to be like a thing for old Fraser episodes. They always seem to have like we wooden statues that just had like big dicks on it, and it's like, oh, they're good luck charms. Ah, it's fucking doesn't look like luck. And then there'll be a wee bit of canned laughter. Yeah. Um, Birdcage is like one of those things that like, you forget about how good it is, then you watch it and it's like, Christ, this is a, a definitely like, a wee gem of a film that doesn't yeah. get enough attention that it does, well, that it probably did back in the day because I don't think it was like uh, any major award winning. It'll probably be the time to discuss some trivia. Aye, yeah. uh, where is it? <clears throat> yeah, I've got budget and box office here first. Okay. Uh, what'd you rent the budget for? I'm going to say 50. Uh, 31. Be, I was going to say it's going to be a bit high. You reckon they made his money back? Yes. Domestically, it took 124 million. Okay, I was going to say, let's see if it gets more than Frighteners. Like, okay. <laughs> and it took 61 foreign, so it took 185 worldwide. That is pretty decent. It's almost like six times its value. Yeah, aye, that was huge. <clears throat> I think it was during that, that was the highest opening weekend of that year. Oh, right. No, it was the highest opening weekend for any film that's based on a kind of like gay sort of. Okay, aye, well, that's uh, shit. Even in the 90s, I think that was a huge genre. That was niche, if anything. So, trivia. Robin Williams was originally cast as Albert, but he felt that he's already played like flamboyant characters and films before. Yeah. So he asked to be recast as a Armand. Mm-hmm. I mean, you reckon he would have been good, good as Albert as what um, Nathan Lane would have been? I mean, I could, I, I could imagine it, but as you said, like, I feel like we've seen it already. Yeah, because they, like, they were planning on getting this. They were is this post Mrs. Doubtfire? I feel that's early aye, it's 90s. Aye, Mrs. Doubtfire was 93, 94. Aye, aye. So that that's pretty much as flamboyant as I get. Yeah. Um, and on Hank Azaria's 30th birthday, he was he filmed Heat till 6am and then went straight on the set for this and told, um, told like Mike Nichols can it was just fair and he was like had been working for 18 hours doing the heat and all that aye and like he was like come on just go him and take the day off aye so obviously they were filming this in 95 as well aye as so well as probably the last few scenes of heat yeah other than that that is us isn't it yeah uh, we've got last three episodes of the 90s yep next week it's I think that's the only Jackie Brown one we've not done Quentin Tarantino one we've no done. Aye, yeah, aye. Yes, aye. 
You're right. Uh, it will be Jackie Brown. <laughs> Seen it. Death Proof. Ah, yeah, we've done that one. Right? Aye. Uh, yes, so episode 193 will be about Jackie Brown. It will be our joint review. Yeah, the next three are joint reviews. Yes, aye. We've ran out of doubles. We've sort of done five and five. Yeah. So, oh, fuck, I'll tell you the new. Jackie Brown, Big Lebowski, The Matrix. Yeah. And that's I was really lobbying for a South Park bigger, longer, and uncut for 1989, but <laughs> fell short. Aye, fuck that is a film and a half. I'll also remember getting to borrow that on DVD when I was wee. <sighs> I'll say when I was wee, but aye. Yes, next time, Jackie Brown. If you want to support <laughs> us on Patreon, it is patreon.com forward slash FAS podcasts um, for longer. Longer, what was that? Bigger, longer, and uncut. Yes. Episodes of films and swearing. You could find them there. Social media at FAS Podcast for links to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Shout outs to Paul Eldon for our artwork, David Lopan for the music, Mags, Carol, Kenny, and Stu for supporting us on Patreon, Magic Mike, and yep. Yous, the listener. Ladies and gentlemen, Money's on the counter, chocolate. Fuck off and tune in next. Smear your toast. (laughs) Smear and tune in next week. Put your fucking pinky down.